Hello and welcome. This is Thinking Transportation, conversations about how we get ourselves and the things we need from one place to another. I'm Bernie Fetty with the Texas A&M Transportation Institute. Big trucks maintain a constant presence on our transportation network, but unless they get in our way or they're late in delivering something to us, we typically don't think about them. We don't consider, for instance, that pound for pound, they pay less to use the roads and bridges than our passenger cars do. That disparity can raise questions, making the big truck, small car relationship a bit complicated. We're going to unwrap it a bit today with some help from Brianne Glover, a research scientist at TTI. Good morning, Brianne. Thanks for sharing some of your time with us. Sure. Happy to. Well, we're talking to you about trucks today. One of those things that in daily life, most of us don't think much about, but you've been thinking about them quite a bit lately, haven't you? Yes, trucks and the big oversized trucks as well. Okay. When we see your name listed on the TTI website, you have letters behind your name, JD. So you're an attorney? Yes. I went to law school and I am licensed in Texas, though I don't typically practice, just research. Okay. I'm curious, in what part of law school did you start studying the trucking industry? (laughs) No trucking industry in law school. But before law school, I did work for a civil engineering firm. And so when I got out of law school, I thought this is something I'm familiar with. And I tried to sort of merge the two. So I should note here for the benefit of our listeners that you're also an expert then in the economics of transportation Infrastructure investment analysis, to be more precise. Can you help us get started here with a little background? Maybe help us understand what place the trucking industry has in our economy and in our daily lives? Sure. So, you know, you see trucks out there every day when you're on your way to work, when you're running errands, and you don't really think about them, but they are moving constantly. They're bringing goods to stores. They're bringing goods to your home. They're bringing goods to other manufacturers that may use a part to produce some other good. And so trucks, they support a ton of major industries and a lot of them, especially here in Texas. So they're important to put it mildly. Our economy, our daily lives depend on trucks. We can't do without them. Every vehicle on the road pays in some way, to use the roads. But trucks don't pay as much compared to cars. And I'm probably oversimplifying there. So can you explain a little bit for us about how it's really more complex than that? Yeah. So there are a lot of different revenues that are collected that help pay for construction and maintenance of roads and bridges in Texas. And some of those we classify as user fees. And those are things like fuel taxes, vehicle registration fees. You've got things that are related to trucks like oversize and overweight permit fees. So every time one of those large trucks, you know, you see with the big banner on the back of it that says oversized going down the highway, every trip they make, they have to have a permit for. So if it's a single trip, like they're just moving a windmill blade, you know, across the state, they buy a single permit. But there are some companies that that's all they do is move these big 
heavy trucks and move big things on the roads. And so they could get an annual permit or even a quarterly permit. And so there's fees that are associated with those as well. So all of those are sort of user fees that go into transportation. I would say also that if you look at the total of those fees, the portion that are allotted to trucks is smaller because there are less trucks on the road than there are passenger vehicles. Okay. And you talked about the fees that the trucks pay. The rest of us driving passenger cars pay for motor fuel tax. Can you explain for us what has been happening more broadly and which I guess provides some of the background for why you even did this study to start with? What is the transportation finance picture looking like in Texas right now? Texas's transportation revenues are actually fairly healthy since the mid-2010s, they instituted the Proposition 1 and Proposition 7 revenues. So these are things like oil and gas tax revenues and sales tax revenues that go to transportation, but they're not typically considered user fees because they're not directly associated with you know the use of the road. But for this analysis, so the legislature asked um, TxDOT and TTI and CTR to look into, okay, We have these revenues, but how do they relate to the cost to use the road? So we've got these trucks and these big oversized trucks and passenger vehicles that are moving on the roads, and there's a damage cost that's associated with those movements, you know, with the the driving that happens. So no surprise, trucks that weigh 80,000 pounds plus are going to cause more damage than a typical passenger car, right? Yes, definitely. And not just for the roads, for the bridges as well. There's a cost associated with that. What exactly did the legislature ask for in this study that you are wrapping up right now? Yeah, they asked us to look at three different categories of vehicles. So we split them into passenger vehicles. We looked at commercial motor vehicles. So that's your your typical 18-wheeler that's out there on the road. Okay. And then we looked at the third category, which is those oversized overweight vehicles, so the the really heavy trucks. And so what they wanted to know was what is the cost associated with the damage that those vehicles do in each of those categories, but then also what are the revenues that can be associated with each of those categories too. And so we compare the cost and the revenues to figure out, okay, an oversized truck is costing us this much in damage and they're bringing in this much in revenue how does that compare? Is there a gap? Are they paying too much? Are they paying too little? What does okay. that look like? Okay. You've heard of elevator speeches. So I'm going to ask you for your elevator speech to describe what you learned in this study, but there's a catch. The elevator ride is only three floors. <laughs> so in a nutshell, what did you learn? And then we can maybe go into a little bit more detail in each of the specific areas that you studied. And for the record, As you've reminded me, this study is not absolutely final just yet, but you do have some general insights that you've gathered, do you not? Yeah. The big takeaways are that, not surprising, commercial trucks and oversized trucks have more damage costs associated with them than revenues. So there is a loss there. There is a deficit. So when you say that there's a deficit, generally that means that the state is losing money there. Yes, but if we look at passenger vehicles, they still bring in a lot of revenue as well. Okay. 
The other cost that we looked at in the study was congestion costs as well. Now, that is not a cost that is borne by the state. That's a user cost. So when we talk about congestion costs, that's the cost of delay to the driver, the fuel cost, the out-of-pocket. So -hmm. while not a state cost, it's still a very big cost that is out there. And so a lot of those remaining revenues that we associated with passenger vehicles, they do get used to help alleviate congestion in the state as well. And you also looked at pavement and bridge conditions separately or as as one of the sub areas in addition to traffic congestion. What did you find there? Yes, and that was where the deficit for the trucks came in. We found that commercial trucks and oversized overweight trucks do about 2.2 billion in consumption cost. That's the term that's used. And consumption cost is typically how we describe the cost to repair the damage, the maintenance cost and the construction cost that's associated with the damage from these vehicles. I've read the report and there's a huge amount of cost information. There's a lot of numbers in your report. So for the benefit of people who don't have that report in front of them and would be challenged in understanding it, can you give us some really high altitude numbers to describe what you have learned in terms of that damage to the roadways? Sure. So for commercial vehicles, you know, your typical 18-wheeler that we were talking about, their consumption cost um, is more than $2 billion. For the overweight vehicles, their consumption cost is a little less than $300 million annually. And that compares with what you call consumption costs or damage costs from other vehicles, from passenger vehicles. How does that compare? Actually, passenger vehicles, it's minimal. They don't really do that sort of damage to the road. Where does that take you? So that left us with this gap, this deficit that we mentioned earlier, that the revenue associated with each of those vehicles wasn't enough to meet the consumption cost that we found. The legislature also asked in the study that we look at, okay, well, what are some possible cost recovery fee scenarios. That means, okay, we have these current fees that we collect, fees and taxes for transportation revenues. Could we change some of the ones that we already have? Could we raise them? Could we alter them to help cover that gap? Or are there new fees maybe that we haven't looked at that could be instituted to help cover that gap as well? So you came up with a handful of different options for policymakers in Texas. Is there a way that you can describe those for us briefly? Sure. So the one that is the most direct would be those permit fees that we talked about, the oversized overweight permit fees. So we could offer up a suggestion to maybe alter those. You could do it blanket. So all of the types of permit fees could be raised. Or you could say, okay, let's make the annual fees a little higher than the single trip fees. There's a bunch of different combinations that we could offer up. So that first one was altering the permit fees. Another possible option would be to look at vehicle registration fees. So in in Texas, vehicle registration fees are by weight. Passenger vehicles are typically, you know, 10,000 pounds or less, 6,000 pounds or less, somewhere in there. And they have a certain state portion of the fee associated with them. So in Texas, that's $50.75 if you drive a passenger vehicle. But when you are a truck, your vehicle registration fee goes up by weight. 
the heavier you are, the more you pay annually in your vehicle registration. So we offered up some suggestions on maybe raising that fee, what that might look like, an additional $10, $25, $50 as the weights change. So those were the two fees that were the most closely associated with the actual vehicles by weight. Okay. A couple of other options that we suggested were things like a vehicle miles traveled fee. That is where you pay a certain fee per mile, and that could be just for trucks, or that could be all vehicles, including passenger vehicles as well. And that concept would be new in Texas, but not necessarily new nationwide, because there are at least a few states that are at least in the pilot testing phase of that mileage fee that you're talking about? Correct. Yeah, there are several states, some on the East Coast and some on the West Coast as well, that have done pilots to look at what kind of fees they could collect and how to administer that fee as well, how to collect it and any costs associated with that. And again, at the risk of oversimplifying, when you're talking about a mileage fee, that would work in the same way that we pay for electricity, right? You know, it's a unit cost and we pay for as much as we actually use. Yes, exactly. Okay. And you can vary those fees for those different vehicle categories as well. You know, a truck can pay a larger price per mile than a passenger vehicle. Right, right. And the last one that we looked at was a weight distance tax. And that's very similar to a VMT fee where it's based on weight and the distance that you drive. And there are four states that currently have those, Kentucky, New York, New Mexico, and Oregon. I think the obvious question here would be what's next? I'm not necessarily asking you for a prediction. I can see that if you have a crystal ball, you have it hidden. I don't see it anywhere around your desk. So what comes next after you have laid out this menu of options for policymakers in Texas? Well, then it's up to them. It'll be in their hands to decide if they want to change a fee or if they want to even look into some sort of pilot or start thinking about a new fee or even the administration that goes along with that. As part of this whole process, we actually included folks from industry. So we had trucking groups and other industry reps who were associated with the trucking industry. And right. we ran a lot of this by them and we talked to them about how we were doing the study and sort of what we're finding because we want their buy-in as well. We want to know their thoughts. And so, you know, we're including with this report to the legislature a lot of the discussion that we've had with them as well so that everybody knows what we're talking about and what these fees might look like. And so they have a chance to weigh in as well. And as you said, any actions that might come from this are much more likely to have universal buy-in from all the different parties that are involved. Sure. I mean, and nobody wants to pay more. Nobody wants a fee increase, but at least people will understand the reason that we need one or the research that went into determining what those should be. I'm curious about what kind of reactions you got from those stakeholder groups whenever you were doing this research, because this is an issue that is not brand new. We've had heavy trucks, perhaps over many years, creating the extra damage to the highways that you've been talking about and studying. So this is nothing new. Was there anything in the conversations that you had with the stakeholders that you found to be surprising or that they found to be surprising? So I think the gap was not as big as they thought it might be. And I think that has a lot to do with those non-user revenues that we included as well, your Proposition 1 and your Proposition 7 revenues, because those have really helped to bolster 
transportation revenues in Texas. And so I think that helps lower that deficit that we're finding for trucks. And so I think that that was a pleasant finding for the industry folks. You think that they might have been going into these discussions expecting to hear worse news than they actually heard? I think so. I think because if you were to only look at the user fees, you know, your vehicle registration fees and your permit fees and your fuel tax fees, then that gap would be a lot bigger. But I mean, if you look, these proposition revenues are specifically used for construction and maintenance in Texas. And while they do have an end date, Proposition 1, I think, sunsets in 2034 and Proposition 7, 2029, if they're not extended, they are bringing revenues currently to Texas for construction and maintenance. What have I not asked you about that you wish that I would have asked you about? So I will say as part of this study, we looked at the economic impacts that you mentioned in the beginning of trucking in Texas. And it was really surprising. I mean, trucks support major industries in Texas to the tune of nearly half a trillion dollars in economic output. And that is a huge number when you well, when you think about it. Yeah, well, I think I asked you this also the last time that you did an episode for us. What is it that keeps you getting up and coming to work every day? I think what keeps me coming in every day is the people that I work with. I have such a great group. And especially for this study, we each kind of took a different topic. I looked at revenues. Jackie Cusio in our group looked at the economics. We all kind of took a different perspective on each of these issues and were able to just really come up with some new ways to look at things. And so I think that just having those people who can make you think differently about how we do things just really makes it great to work every day. And you must love puzzles, too. I'm guessing you probably like jigsaw puzzles, too, because this seems like a study that comes as close to being a jigsaw puzzle as any that I'm familiar with. It definitely was. Trying to match up and make things fit. It was definitely a challenge. Breanne Glover, research scientist at TTI, licensed attorney and expert in the economics of the trucking industry. Thank you, Breanne. We really appreciate you sharing your time with us. Thank you. Nearly everything that comes to us each day spends some time on a truck. So trucking's contribution to our lives and our economy can hardly be overstated. In short, trucks deliver for us in a very big way. What's also big is the amount of wear and tear they inflict on the roads compared to smaller vehicles. That's especially true for the trucks classified as oversized or overweight. But the findings from new research could help to bring greater balance to how all vehicles pay their fair share to travel throughout Texas. Thanks for listening. Next time, we'll visit with Rafael Aldrete to talk about U.S.-Mexico border crossings and how multiple parties work to balance security, economy, and mobility at those international entry points. Please do join us for that conversation. And if you would, please, Give us a review, subscribe, and share this episode. Thinking Transportation is a production of the Texas A&M Transportation Institute, a member of the Texas A&M University System. The show is edited and produced by Chris Porto. I'm your writer and host, Bernie Fetty. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.